0: Today on the Alana Enquirer podcast, it is my becoming annual chat with. Let me get his long title correct here. Illinois Executive Director of Personnel and Recruiting, Pat Embleton. He is basically the right hand man for Brett Buelmo when it comes to recruiting. And Pat has been in the Illinois football office for a long time now. He came here now right after his playing career uh, at the Division three level. With uh, and he came in here with Tim Beckman, and he came stayed here through Bill Cubit, stayed here through Lovey Smith, and right after Lovey Smith got fired, he kind of helped Brett with through the transition and everything with recruiting. And Brett was so impressed with Pat, his uh, knowledge of the not only University of Illinois, but the state of Illinois. Everything good, bad, and different about Illinois football, Pat has been a great resource, uh, and he's really good at his job. And uh, they just got wrapped up mostly with the class of 2023 uh, for Illinois. And I uh, had my chat with Pat Umbleton about where Illinois football recruiting is right now, how this class came together. We didn't really dive into the intricacies of each player uh, per se and what they bring to the program, Cause I thought Brett Bealma handled that. Uh, hoping to talk with some of the assistants at some other point about all of these players, but talked more about Pat about the grand scheme of things, what they were looking for in this class, how they executed it, what winning has meant for Illinois football recruiting, because. Besides 2019, when Illinois made the uh, Red Box Bowl and had a little bit of winning, but ended that season on a three game losing streak, uh, Pat hasn't been part of a winning recruiting pitch. And now Illinois can do that. So I thought he gave great insight there. And I asked a simple question about take me through an evaluation, take me through what a recruitment is like with, with a prospect. And I thought he'd get really good insight about how the staff works. He did a really good job of breaking down how Brett Bielema works. So I hope you really enjoy uh, this podcast with Pat. Basically just going to do an interview with him here. But I do want to weigh in a few things that have happened uh, since signing day. Number one on that list uh, is Chase Brown entering the draft and opting out of the bowl game. He is the third Illini to announce he is opting out of the bowl game. And all three of these players are among Illinois' best players is, is twin brother Sydney opting out and Devin Witherspoon, who may be a first- or second-round draft pick, uh, come April. Um, and I'm not going to probably change anyone's feelings about players opting out. Um, some people don't care anymore, and some people really care. And I, I don't know if any of those feelings are wrong, but I, I do think people who think these players don't care about their teammates – or are or, or being terrible to their teammates, I, I think that's wrong. Because think about what Devin Witherspoon has given this program. Think about what Sidney and Chase Brown have given this program. And I think both these guys, and, and Sidney really really was eloquent about how difficult of a decision this was for him. And he said it's selfish. And yeah, it's a selfish decision, but these guys are at the points of their careers where, where they can be selfish. And if Illinois was playing in the Big Ten Championship Game or the Rose Bowl or a College Football Playoff, I think these decisions would be a little bit different. But Illinois doesn't—they do gain something by winning this game. They could probably be ranked. They could have a nine-win season. All those things. But these guys can lose a lot. And what are the odds of that? Of them getting hurt, career-ending injury or you know career-altering injury? I don't know. But there is a risk in doing that. Right, we've seen players, Jake Budd, um, the running back from South Carolina, a couple years ago, like Matt Corral at Ole Miss. It happens. It happens when when you can suffer these injuries and they can alter your draft status. And for guys like Devin Witherspoon to be a first or second round pick, or or just chasing Sidney Brown, people might say, well, they're not a first or second round pick. Yeah, but if they get hurt, they could go from a third or fourth round pick to even being drafted. Like like those are those are career altering things. I mean, that's hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dollars for these guys. So I don't fault them for that. It seems like their teammates more importantly don't fault them. And while I'm sure Brett Bielma would love to have these guys, he honored Sidney Brown, he honored Devin Witherspoon. I think, you know, he's honored Chase and, and I think I'll talk more about Chase opting out. Um Chase, you know, opted out of being able to set the single season record for Illinois. Um but he wants to make sure and let's be honest, Sydney and Chase and Devin Witherspoon don't come from a lot. So it's easy for, for a fan to say, you owe it to your teammates, you owe it to your uh, school, you owe it to the fans. What do they owe their families? That's how I look at it. And Chase and Sidney Brown's mother especially, and, and Devin's family I'm sure has sacrificed a lot too, but I think we all know Chase and Sidney's story where where their single mother You know, was homeless for a little bit just so she could send these kids to Florida. She paid for that instead of paying for her own housing. right? So it's hard for me to say, oh, you shouldn't be selfish in this situation for you and your family. So that's just how I feel about it. I think most people feel that way. And and the way I look at this is, boy, great careers from all these guys. Um, All under the radar for the most part. Chase Brown was a known recruit. Devin Witherspoon didn't have a rating because... He didn't really have many options. He was going to a JUCO before Illinois decided to bring him in and Lovey Smith. Uh, nobody knew who Sidney Brown was until signing day because he didn't have a profile. He didn't he wasn't on Twitter. He didn't do any of those things. And Illinois just announced that he was joining Illinois. And you turn on the film and you're like, whoa, this guy can play. Why'd this guy go under the radar? And then Chase transfers here after a really good year at Western Michigan as a freshman, as a third running back there. And I watched the film. I think anybody who was at a line, I inquired and saw my film breakdown of him when they brought him in. I was like, "This guy can be a Big Ten starter." I think he's really good. I don't know why he didn't play more as a true freshman against Western Michigan because I saw him playing well against Syracuse, playing well against Michigan, and Devin Bush was a linebacker there. And I was like, "This guy's got it." Uh, didn't know he'd be number two all the time at Illinois in rushing though, and I, I just think about what you know, Devin Witherspoon is Consensus All-American, the 20th in Illinois history, have a plaque in Grange Grove, have his jersey hanging up inside the Smith Center. And then you think about these twins from Canada and what they overcame and what ultimately they mean. I don't even know if I fully know. I mean, two twins that became two great players, especially under Brett Bielema. It really propelled this program forward. And Chase is number two all-time in rushing, Sydney was the heart and soul of a defense that took huge steps forward the last two years and, and really towards the end of the season was playing as well as anybody on this team. And they go down as I two of the greats of this era, but I, I do think they go, should go down as two of the foundation pieces of a turnaround. Like the way we talk about Trent Frazier is the way I think we should be talking about Devin Witherspoon, Chase Brown, and Sydney Brown. Now, how much those guys played well how much they meant internally, and just how fun they were to watch. So I, I think, I don't even know if we know the scope of how we'll look back on these guys, but if they, if Illinois football has the consistency of success that we're starting to see with basketball outside of what's happened the last couple of games, I think we can look back at these guys and, and we'll look back at them even more fondly. I, I think as time goes, you, you just realize how good some of these players were and how special they were. I think that's how we'll feel about these guys. Uh, opt out feelings aside, this bowl is basically going to be a look ahead to next year at certain positions, right? Sidney Brown out, probably Matthew Bailey in Devin Witherspoon out. Is it Tyler strain that comes in opposite Taz Nicholson? Is it is Xavier Scott? Is it somebody else? Does Tyson Rooks. Get a look at corner. You know, if Quan Martin uh, decides to opt out, do we see somebody at nickel? Is it Xavier Scott is, you know, Keontae Curry, something like that. So that secondary is gonna be a completely different look for the most part. But it's kind of a preview of next year, which isn't a terrible thing. These guys are gonna get a lot of reps and, and they're gonna get some real game reps against a Mississippi passing attack. That's pretty good. But Mississippi State's lost some offensive weapons at the transfer portal. And then at running back, are we gonna see Josh McCray? He can still redshirt even if he plays in the bowl, right? So if we get to see a fully healthy Josh Cray, that could be McCray, that could be fun. Uh, Reggie Love, how does he do as a number one back after his best performance ever against Northwestern? Is Aiden Lawfrey healthy? Not sure about those things. Haven't been able to talk uh, much with Brett Bielma outside of signing day and focusing on that and Aaron Henry. So once we were able to talk with him a little bit more about the bowl, it'll be interesting to, to get what that is. But Brett Bielma said this isn't just the end of a season. It's kind of a, a springboard into the next year. And I think that's what this bowl game at certain positions is starting to look like, running back and secondary mostly, right? Uh, But you should get Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph playing in this game. From what I understand, Julian Pearl is playing in this game. Tommy DeVito, from what I understand, is playing in this game. So you still got a pretty good team coming in here, but you will be missing some of your best parts. But most teams nowadays are doing that, whether you think that's right or wrong. It's kind of a mix of the end of the year plus the springboard into next year. So Joey Wagner and I will be flying down to Tampa late on Tuesday, and we'll be there for the week to have you all covered on everything that's going on with the bowl game. And it should just be a fun experience, especially escaping this cold in central Illinois to get down to Tampa where it's supposed to be the, the coldest day that we're going to be down there. I think the twenty eighth is going to be like 61 degrees. And it's going to be 70s and 80s. Yeah, looking forward, <laughs> looking forward to getting down to Tampa with a January bowl game. For Illinois, It should be a nice celebration of a breakthrough season for Illinois. So if you're down there, come say hi to Joey and I. I uh, would love to chat with you guys and and talk about uh, what a season this has been and what an offseason uh, this could be. We'll see what happens on the quarterback transfer portal market. Uh, I wrote a film review, uh, on I released it on Christmas here, um, what Hudson Card would bring to the Illini, the Texas transfer. I like a lot of things he does. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's an NFL top prospect or anything like that, but he's a really good quarterback. Kind of reminds me of the quarterback Illinois just had. Uh, but that wasn't a hint at anything. I just know Illinois is really, really looking at Hudson Card. And I'll have a breakdown of Luke Altmyer, the old Miss transfer as well. So you can look for that coming up at Atlanta Inquirer the next couple of days. The other thing i got to bring up is Illinois losing another assistant coach to Ryan Walters, the head coach now at Purdue, Corey Patterson a uh, five-year assistant at Illinois, decided to leave for the Boilermakers right before the holiday uh, started here. And I can't say I'm too surprised at this because um, Corey's been here for five years. I've, I've covered Corey since he was the assistant coach at Trinity Catholic, and I went down there, met with him, talk about Larry Boyd and Isaiah Williams and Shimon Cooper, Reggie Love, Mookie Cooper, all these guys, James Frenchy. And got to know him pretty well through the years and he's a really good coach he was really important for lovey smith and in, in recruiting and, and adding some you know that saint louis flavor and it wasn't just the trinity catholic guys but but keith randolph and moses akpala and you know even guys like zai Chrysler, he got in on um he was starting to recruit in georgia and memphis and in some of these different areas um cory really helped through the transition for brett bioma i, I don't know if Corey isn't here Uh, if Brett Bielema does not keep him. And the reason Brett Bielema kept him um, was the respect he had for him, not only with his connection to players, but uh, as a coach. And and Corey obviously did a pretty good job. He didn't – you know, we talk about running backs coaches and Brett Bielema's system, all that. Like, you got to be able to coach. But the success they had with Chase Brown certainly reflects well on Corey Patterson. The fact that Ryan Walters wanted to bring him in is not just recruiting. Corey can coach. But the other thing Corey can do is really connect with players. And if Corey's not here, I don't know if a lot of these players come back, whether it's Owen Carney or um you know some of these guys that went to Trinity Catholic obviously, but but a lot of these players on the team had a connection to Corey Patterson and, and I don't know if a lot of these guys come back for the first couple of years of Brett Beam if Corey's not there and, and just to have that sounding board and have somebody on the previous staff that that was kept on and I thought that was important, and I think Brett Beuma thought that was important. So I think Corey was really important not only to Levy Smith but but to Brett Bielma these first couple of years. And obviously Ryan Walters really sees some value here because Ryan Walters, from what I understand, is, is giving Corey more responsibility and is giving Corey potentially a bigger role, whether that's title, whether it's a different position – um, and Brett Bielma really couldn't offer much more of that. Like Brett Bielma could offer stability. Brett Bielma could offer learning under him. But at some point, you want to spread your wings and move up. And on Illinois' offensive staff, you had Barry Lunny, who's your offensive coordinator, right? And he's probably not going to go anywhere for a while. George McDonald, who's the wide receivers coach, associate head coach, and a former Power Five offensive coordinator. There's not a lot of. Ways for upward mobility. So while Illinois had stability, Corey really liked Illinois and Champaign, and his family really liked it. At some point, you want to be able to move up in your career, and it seems like he'll be able to do that at Purdue. It's the same reason Kevin Kane is deciding to move on. Right? Is he wants to become a Power Five defense coordinator? And he eventually wants to become a head coach at the uh, FBS level, and Ryan Walters could offer him that. And Brett Bumma decided to give it to to Aaron Henry. So I can't I can't fault these guys for moving on. It's just when you're in Illinois, it's like they have to be at Purdue because now you're competing against them. And that's, that's the really hard part. And I'm sure there's some hurt feelings in that somewhat, but the other thing is Illinois is going to be recruiting against Purdue a lot more. They really haven't gotten into too many battles, head to head battles here recently, but now you have Ryan Walters and Corey Patterson, Kevin Kane, who all recruit Missouri. Obviously Kevin Kane's from Kansas city, Corey Patterson from St. Louis, Ryan Walters coached in Missouri for five years they are being Missouri and St. Louis, frequently in Kansas City. And then all three of those guys have connections in state now. Of course, Corey Patterson recruited a lot of in-state kids at Illinois, both in the Metro East and kind of central Illinois. Then Kevin Kane in the western suburbs and Ryan Walters has recruited the state a lot too. So I think you're going to be recruiting in a lot of the same territories here. And Illinois has been trying to inch into Indianapolis. It could be a recruiting rivalry coming up. So I can't blame Corey Patterson for moving on. And uh, But it's going to be interesting how this Purdue and Illinois thing goes along. I do think it's interesting Ryan Walters um, is also bringing on two GAs from Illinois. Or one analyst, Grant O'Brien, who's been with Ryan Walters for five years. Makes sense. He's coaching safeties. He takes the leap. But it's a big leap uh, to a Power 5 assistant coach. And then you have Joe a young, 26-year-old GA, is now going to be the outside linebackers coach under Kevin Kane former star linebacker at Kansas, Joe is, and has learned under Kevin the last couple of years. So obviously there's a lot of trust, but it's going to be a younger younger staff over there at Purdue. But uh, the dynamic between Illinois and Purdue the next couple of years is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, we'll see what uh, Brett Bielma does to fill those roles. Sounds like his DBs coach could happen pretty quickly. Outside linebackers coach, he said he wanted to be pretty patient on, maybe look towards the NFL. Now the running backs, I'm, I'm interested to see if Barry Lunny uh, gets more of a say in this one since he kind of inherited he did, kind of, he did inherit an entire offensive staff from Tony Peterson and Brett Bielema it would be interesting if he leaves his mark or where Brett Beuma wants to go does he want an in-state recruiter does he want somebody in St. Louis because St. Louis hasn't been a huge focus as much for Brett Beuma as it was for Lovie Smith but they certainly want to recruit East St. Louis and the Metro East and all those places um, so it'd be very interesting to see where Brett Beuma decides to go with this where he kind of allocates recruiting there's one of their Chicagoland guy, because Kevin Kane was very strong uh, in the western suburbs as well. So that'll play out over the next couple of weeks, and it'll be very interesting to watch. But let's get to it. Illinois Executive Director of Personnel and Recruiting, Pat Embleton. He is the guy that runs the recruiting department, the personnel department, whatever you want to call it, this expanding department. And he talks about that, uh, about what his group uh, now does, what what the expansion of his office has meant for Illinois football and uh, what this recruiting class meant for Illinois. That's coming up next on the On Enquirer podcast. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. All right, it's our yearly chat with Pat Evelton, Executive Director of Personnel and Recruiting at the University of Illinois. Pat, you've been through a lot of these. Um, this class of 2023 obviously was, was a more normal recruiting class. and But year two... With this staff, with Coach Bielema, what was different uh, about the approach, about the results, about the sell uh, for you guys in recruiting?
1: Yeah, going through the, the 21 season, um, being 5-7, and seven, you know, I know Coach B always talks about it. You just, people in the community thought that we, we had gone to the college football playoffs. Um, we really only got blown out by one game uh, during that 21 season, so... We were close on a lot of the losses, and um, I think everybody saw it. And so it was easy for us to sell the product that we were having, establishing on the field, um, and then having continuity going into year two, you just knew that you were going to get better. You make your biggest jumps from year one to year two. Um, and you see, you saw that this year, being eight and four, going to to hopefully win a, a ninth game um, in a week or so is, is, is big for us. But what we were selling to the recruits and their families and their high school coaches – Um, during that whole time leading up to this season, they saw it come real. And so that just gave them more belief in us and and it helped them recruit other good players, right? Um, I say it all the time, like, we have unbelievable coaches that that recruit their butts off, Uh, but the guys that just signed, the 21 that signed, um, are our best recruiters and and they put together a hell of a class.
0: How much work in year one paid off for this class? Because – you recruiting some of those guys uh, for for two years, but also just building some of the relationships of having that staff.
1: Yeah, I mean the relationships are big, um, especially in this state, right? We, I think high school coaches are, are extremely comfortable with this staff, especially with Coach B and how easy it is to talk to. Um, but it's it's that trust then gives you know they talk about players in their conference, they talk about opponents they played, not just their team. Um, and that's ha- that that happens throughout the country with us in Jersey and in Florida, um, and so that's been that's been big just to help find good players. But you know, year two is always always better because you you have an expectation, you know what you're going through, you know what the season involves, you know when you can recruit, what hours you can recruit, um, when you can watch film with everybody, and so it's just you're, you're just a little bit faster, right? And so you can get results a little bit faster and. Um, for recruiting staffs like that, that's excel- that's helpful, right? You you know when when we can get offers out, and you know when we can get guys on Facetime and all that stuff. So it's just been more efficient.
0: Yeah, you've added your, your staff's gotten bigger, Pat. Uh, I know that's that's got to be helpful. Uh, just how, how would you describe to people your staff, what they're able to do, and and what adding a few people has done for you guys?
1: Yeah, I mean I could go on for a week just talking about my staff. I, I love them to death. They're unbelievable. Um, starting, starting at the top with Nate McNeil, who's director of player personnel. Um, Nate's like a brother to me. Um, the way that we work together is, is, is unreal. Just, you know, we don't, we don't always say stuff to each other. We just know what we're going to do. And so we work really well, um, within each other. And then, you know, from there you go, you go to Pat Pearson, who's our, our director of creative branding and, 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 um, just what he's brought to this. To this team, um, to our current team, and to recruiting is is you can't describe it like how he markets his team and 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 um, how we you know display the branding of his team and, and the recruits as well. Like it's mind blowing to me. Um, and then down from there, Maya Green, who's our director of recruiting operations, and she joined us. She joined us a week before we started June recruiting. And like I remember when we hired her, I looked at her, I was like, hey. Take this month with a grain of salt. That's coming up because you're going to be like, "What the hell did I just get into?" Um, and so she did it, and she was a rock star that first month. And so you just saw you saw the potential that she had in June, but she was just a little unsure of like how to go about doing stuff. And then by weekend number two in June, she's like, "I got this. This I'm going to go kill it." And, and um, she's been one of the best additions to the staff. Um, you know, that that's really kind of the the recruiting. Operations type team, right, and then you get into the personnel side of things, and you got Jake Kaiser, who's who's our director of college scouting, um, who really is is a pro guy, a pro mindset, um, and does a lot of the evaluation piece for both transfer portal, junior college, um, and he he does a little bit of help in the high school world as well, but you know his baby is the the juco to, to transfer world, um, and then underneath that you've got um, Drake Leeper and Chip Vaughn who. Who their primary responsibilities are are film breakdown, right? But they also are really good people, um, and they have really good communication skills. And so they have continued to build relationships with, with kids that come on campus, and then when they leave, you know, you'll, you you open up the group chat, and Chip and Drake have said, "Oh, I talked to so and so tonight." You're like, "Awesome!" Like we got a good group, right? And then you got Pat Ryan, who's kind of in a in a league of his own that does both uh, a little bit of an evaluation a little bit of the ops world, but, like, he's the ultimate people person, right? I mean, he could talk to the wall, and the wall would want to respond because he's so fun to talk to, right? So, um, but what he's done with the communication of high school coaches, not just in this state but around the country, like, he's such a well-respected person in, in the game of football, um, high school Hall of Famer, and, and he's made all of us better.
0: Um th- I don't know if a lot of people might want to know this. I know every evaluation is different. Every recruitment is different. But how does a, how does a typical eval come through your office, and then what happens from there? Like, Can you take me through, like, what a, what a normal one would be? Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: I'll take a kid like Caden Fagan, right? Um, you know, in March of 21, uh, we, we had all all ten of our assistant coaches had an area of Illinois, and they, they had to call every single high school coach. And so um, – had a phone call with with, with um, Coach Jefferson, who was who was that high school Cadence high school coach said, you know, Coach, we don't really have a lot of guys, but we got a guy that has got some potential. He's got size and speed. And so um, I remember uh, it was actually Tony Peterson at the time gave me that name. He said, Hey, put this on your board. And so you know, we put him on the board, um, and we had to wait for that that COVID spring season to play. And so I remember going through and we watched him. And so we have a database um, where it has a, a pipeline built in so every player that we evaluate it starts in the recruiting office um majority of them do so i remember watching them and typing up our 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 evaluation um whether that's as a collective group typically it's done individually and so um if you give them a certain grade well then it passes to the area coach right and so then that area coach has to watch them and. And if he gives him a certain grade that's higher than the recruiting office grade, then pass it passes to the position coach. Position coach, again, it's got to be higher than what the recruiting area coach gives him. Passes to the coordinator, then the coordinator to the head coach. Um, and then the head coach, the last step is is through myself. It's really the same thing, coach being myself. So, um, you know, I remember watching Caden and just being like, this dude has unreal size for being a sophomore that year. Um, and... and athleticism is off the chart but he's got speed as you know he had some documented speed and track and so um it's a guy that that went through the pipeline in about a week um everyone gave pretty high grades and i remember going into coach b's office four days after we started the pipeline being like coach you gotta watch this dude like we gotta watch him tonight and so I remember he watched it, and then he said, hey, put it back in my box. I'm going to take a peek at him, you know, later tonight when everything clears up. And then he texted me the next morning. He's like, get his number, get his bio. Let's get him on the phone today. And so it, that's that's a typical, typically how it goes, um, maybe a little bit longer. Um, maybe it takes two to three weeks at times, but – uh, depending on the time of year, that's that's really how it goes.
0: So that's the evaluation, and then the recruitment begins. So what what, what how does your office take it from there? Because obviously the coaches have to do most of the recruiting, but you guys can get involved too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, from there, like, you know, if a kid reaches a certain grade, then he's automatically put on, on a mailing list, right? And so the mailers go out once, twice a week to, to this large group. Um, but then if he gets to a certain grade as well, then – then he gets what's on, you know, your text list and your phone call list. And the, those are are two big things. Like, if you make it on the text list and the phone call list, then um, that's somebody that you're actively recruiting, right? And so um, we want all of our coaches to talk to all of our recruits. We don't want just offense to talk to offense. Defense. Like, I want Andy Boo talking to Caden Fagan, you know, because he's going to go up against him in practice next year. And so um, we want to make sure that, that everybody has relationships so that, when he comes into campus and, and into our, our building, like, he knows and he's got all the personalities lined up. And it just makes him more comfortable. It makes his family more comfortable. I mean, I think Jen is, is his mom um, could tell you that just everybody in the building is easy to talk to. Yeah. So that's, that's the main piece. Uh, and then from there, you know, you get them on official visits. And, and um, if you can get a kid to campus seven, eight times, you feel pretty good about landing a kid.
0: So but what was important about this class for you guys? Um, I, I know there's so many positions of need, so many things that you got to address, what you're looking for, but what was important for you guys?
1: You know, I think the, the, the main thing was was uh, continue to, to, to build our culture, right? We have a really good culture. I know we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, but um, we wanted guys that, that, that fit what we want to continue to do, right? And what this this current team, what their legacy has been this past season? Like we want, we wanted guys with similar competitiveness um, and a similar mindset to come in and not replace them, right? But but to continue that that tradition of being smuff, tough, smart, dependable team. And so that was really the, the the kind of the core, the foundation of of how we recruited and what we recruited. Um, didn't go after stars very, you know. Uh, we didn't look at stars like that, but but um, we ended up getting on some pretty good football players that had higher stars, just because that's you know it's the nature of the game. But um, that's the main thing is is getting competitive guys that love the game of football, right? Like there are football players out there that love being a part of a football team and love the uh, social media and the likes of 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 being a football player. But I think every person that signed today loves the game of football and they eat sleep dream about football and that's what we want
0: how do you find that how do you know
1: that <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's 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 hard it's hard to answer I mean yeah. I think it's it's really just by by talking to a kid right mm-hmm. and kind of getting to know what is what is why is what is it what makes him tick all of that and so I think like um that's a several month process is to, to find out does he really love football, and you challenge him you challenge him on the questions you ha- on the questions you ask him or on what his high school counselors high school coaches say about him like you can get a really good thought, but then you can also see him play football and 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 be in games and like when he gets beat or he makes a bad play, like how does he respond? Does he shut down for the rest of the game or is he going to get back up, want to kick somebody's ass and, and do it again right like I think you can see a lot on that what's it like to recruit?
0: With a eight win season, bowl game, five plus wins in the Big Ten, we haven't had that uh, <laughs> since you've been here. So, like, what's that like?
1: It's, uh, I mean, it's, it takes sigh relief, right? Like, you are you're recruiting on with a coach that just signed a, a, a new extension as well. Like, you have a lot of things going in your in your direction, but that doesn't allow us to take our, our foot off the gas, right? Like, I think you now more than ever, we have to capitalize going into the spring of what this momentum is and and what it can be going forward. Um, But it's, it's awesome to to recruit on a winning record. I mean, I've never done it before, you know? Um, So you're not going through the season thinking about, man, are we going to lose this player because we're not winning or, or anything like that? Like, that's not the mentality that we have anymore. It's like, how can we go get that better player out there and so i think that's that's the main thing
0: that two years you work hand in hand pat uh on the road you're you're right there with with coach Bielma a lot what what can you tell us about brett and his recruiting approach uh and just how he attacks recruiting
1: yeah he he's relentless he's 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 the most competitive dude i've been around you know um and he he allows everyone to be different in in this office um but yet he knows everything, too. And so I think the, like, how all of our personalities correspond with each other is, is awesome, and that's a credit to him of putting the staff together. Um, but he's competitive as, as anything on the road and in recruiting um, and doesn't, like, no at all, you know. So um, he, is, he is involved with every single recruit that we have. Like, every kid that is signed, Coach B has – is is the lead recruiter on him, right? Um, And the best part about it, and and he does so well, and I'm sure you guys have seen this, and and you guys probably feel this too, is like he emotionally connects with everybody. It doesn't matter what walk of life, rich, poor, white, black. Like, it does not matter at all. Like, he can emotionally connect with every single person he meets. And that's what I got to witness firsthand um, going into homes the last couple weeks. Like, it was cool. Like – I sat back and then I would just listen and be like, like, am I getting recruited right now? Yeah, I want to go play for you too, you know. (laughs) And so um, it it was really neat to see. Um, And and just his his pitch of, of how it's different but the same when he's in front of a high school coach versus a parent versus a grandparent, like, he just, he's very relatable to everybody
0: pat i 'm tired covering you guys <laughs> recruiting, uh but it never stops right? You got the transfer portal going on, you guys are prepping for a bowl game you 're leaving soon like what what is this time like for you guys there's a like a relief here, but we know you're going after other transfers right now um this never stops
1: does doesn 't stop doesn't stop and uh as much as you wanna go and and not go to work tomorrow and sleep in until noon it's just you can't it 's life right like um but I think I think we have a we have a good plan and and you know I'm sure if I check my phone, I' probably got text messages from my staff being like so and so we' in the portal here's our breakdown of them we gotta get coach a b c to watch them um and we gotta do it quickly so we we can start our communication piece so um trust trust everybody I work with and and that they do their part that we just continue to build this thing.
0: I don't mean to put you on the spot, Pat, but like recruiting has changed so much. The NCAA has changed rules. Is is there is there a next step that that needs to happen, or any, any kind of change that needs to happen w- with recruiting? Because so I know they're giving you another official visit weekend coming up here, which which helps with after bowl games, transfer portal, all that. Like, is there a next thing that that you and Coach Bioma think should should happen next?
1: Uh that's a great question, Jeremy. I think like February is a, is a dead month, right? And so that that's a time where we'll. Refi- we will reflect as recruiting staff and cover the years, the goods, the bads, the uglies. Um, you know, after the season ended, we did a SWOT analysis of like our, our game day recruiting and how that went. Um, and so we'll do the same thing come February, just over the year. And what we did good, bad, um, for official visits to, to just unofficials. And, and I think from there we can help draw some, um, Questions or or things that we need answered from the NCAA of moving forward as to like why they changed certain things. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but there's always going to be critiques. Um, to specifically say, like, I think the transfer portal is is something that that is is both good and bad for the game. I mean, I, I think it's good for the student athletes that they get a chance to um, to get a fresh start if they want it, um, but. I do think that there's gonna have to be some sort of of I don't know, restriction or 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 change to it. Just to be, we only got two weeks to recruit somebody, you know? And and now I know they added four days um in January, but you're also looking at the the health and wellness of coaching staffs that need mm. need some time that made a bowl game or something, right? Like so um we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I,
0: I, was talking about this about NIL. All of a sudden, now it's a conversation. Like yeah. first, recruit, first time recruiting through, maybe wasn't asked very much. How have you seen
1: NIL shape recruiting? Well, um, it, it it shaped it big time. Um, I think the the one of the good things at the NCAA is is that they did recently was they took the coaching's. You know, they took us out of it. Right, yeah. like we can no longer um, talk about it or, or within our team or anything like that. Like. So all we can do is just give examples of what our current rosters done and that's so it's easy for us to do now um but I think it's a it's it's played a huge factor in games but you know the Blue Bloods are still going to be the Blue Bloods because they probably have good NIL collectives and all that stuff and and support and donor support through that but so it's it's uh it's changed for sure um but to the sense like we still have to stay true to who we are um it's still we still have to recruit players that fit what we want, right? And so does that mean a player that wants x amount of money is who is a really good player fits us? No, I don't think it does some all the time, but we got to but you do have to keep that in mind when you recruit somebody.
0: Well, Pat, you've you've been with this program for almost a decade. Now, just you got such good perspective. How do you feel about where this program's at um just with with everything that's happened in the last year and yeah you know, one of the most successful years on I had in a long time
1: yeah um you, you feel good, you feel really good um I, I told this to my wife the other day like it it's it's cool to see these kids have success, and that's their expectation now, right like when we lost uh the indiana game like you you saw that how pissed off they were, um and that they were sick of that that culture and that and losing and so it was really neat to see like that, that change. And that's our expectation now is to, is, is to be successful. And so, um, I like it. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's a lot of fun to be around. It's a fun environment to be around, but, but it's all what these kids have done and what these coaches have done. and, And it's something that going forward, you're like, okay, cool. It's, it's fun to be a part of this, but you can't, you can't stop. You can't look back and say, we did it because no, we're in the process of doing it. Pat, you're the goods, man. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, brother. <laughs> All
0: right, great stuff from Pat Embleton. Hope you guys learned something there. I know I do every time I talk to him about the recruiting process. It's just a fascinating process, right? Uh, and to see how this staff evaluates, learn how they go about the process, uh, and just how they feel. Uh, about things is always fun uh so appreciate pat's time it was on a busy signing day you can Tell he's horse there he's been talking a lot he did a lot of interviews that day uh so really appreciated his time um late on signing day before those guys i think enjoyed a few beers uh which they probably probably really <laughs> deserved uh after a long recruiting process but it continues with the transfer portal and of course uh we'll see if they go after some more high school prospects uh into the february signing period All right, hope you enjoyed that. Joey Wagner and I will be heading down to Tampa on Tuesday afternoon. I'll get a podcast with Latuip before that. Get his thoughts. He's told me he's got a lot of thoughts about Illinois basketball. So we'll get him uh, on Monday. Then Joey and I will update you throughout the week. Uh, for Illinois football and everything going on with the bowl game. Thank you for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. Hit the like button. Hit subscribe. And if you're not a VIP member, 50% off VIP access right now at Illini Inquirer. You can get the film review of Hudson Card. I'll have one on Luke Altmeyer. What those guys as transfer quarterbacks could bring to Illinois if they decide to join the Fighting Illini. All right, everybody, take care of each other. Have a great day. Happy holidays. We'll talk to you next time on the Alana Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.